Hello and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room Pubisode. You join us this week for a drink, a debrief of last week's Home Guard themed room, some interesting facts about Britain's finest hours finest, a chat about how working in universities is weird and how it used to be a damn sight weirder. And finally, a chat about the best kind of conference. Hello, and you join us now at the Bugler's Mittens. <laughs> it's never, <laughs> never met an un- unpopular Bugle player <laughs> um, where we are settling down after uh, the room last week for you and but moments ago for us. Uh, where the gang were escaping from a home guard World War II hut and a deadly radio. Uh, I'm Mike. Um, I'm drinking uh, Brewdog Pride, which is their guava-infused lager. It's kind of similar, I'd say identical, to the lost uh, guava they did last year, which was really quite nice. It's quite refreshing, quite tasty, quite drinkable. And uh, yeah, it's my round. So what's everybody having? Uh, so I'm also on Brewdog. I'm drinking a... Planet Pale, uh, Easy Pale Ale, and it's mm. it's very pleasant. Um, I'm going to have to see how many I need to drink before it gets unpleasant. At the moment, <laughs> it's two and it's still very pleasant. That's the logical progression, really, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, we had a party a couple of weeks ago, and we've only got random ales in the house that people brought. So um, I will have to move on to something else after this one. Oh, that's wonderful, though, waking up the next day after a party and you've got more booze, just like, oh, I know, it's good the booze time. fairy has come. <laughs> <laughs> it takes uh, away your liver at night and <laughs> replaces it with more beer. Uh, yeah, I'm James. Uh, I am, it's genuinely true, and I don't know where I found this, but it is a yuzu and cucumber sparkling sake. <laughs> good Lord. Wow. <laughs> Those words you- have never been put in that order before. <laughs> In a tin. <laughs> it's extraordinarily pretentious, though, isn't it? Well, there you go. <laughs> but it's in a tin. What? Yeah. How is it? Work? It's really that very, very drinkable. <laughs> <laughs> they did miss a trick, though, by not merging sparkling and sake in some way. Like, sarkling. Sarkling, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a hop, skip, and a jump away from suckling, and then you, that's, a, that's a rabbit hole that no marketing agent should go down. Yeah, and I think as well, if somebody did that, Japan would go to war again. They've been real chill for a long time, but I think they're like, ah, oh, you have absolutely bastardized our beloved... Okay, right, that's it. Back to war. <laughs> and I'm Jamie, and listeners from the last episode, you might remember that in, in an act of desperation, I made myself a wee cocktail. Uh, such is my lack of taste and shame that I have made it again. So I have a oh, dry vermouth Jamie. and peach iced tea. It is actually quite nice. Oh. It's a cry for help. It's it's surprisingly delicious, and it means I've used up the rest of my vermouth. Um, however, listeners, if you can write in with suggestions on what to do with half a bottle of Campari, which is utterly vile, but I need to get rid of it, please let me know. Can you give it to someone you don't like? Uh, I don't think I hate anybody that much. <laughs> I'm, I'm loath to, to, to depart with it because I've paid money for it so mm. I'm in a bit of a bind but, but vermouth and peach iced tea is surprisingly good I am I will die on this hill I mean vermouth and Campari is two thirds of a Negroni that's where you should have been going with that I think I, I tried Negroni and yeah even the smallest amount of Campari is too much <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like um, 
I had a packet of cheese and onion, cheese, salt and vinegar discos today, and they have the same effect in that it turns your head inside out. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe the discos and the Campari together might just cancel each other out. <laughs> like, why is that man sick over himself on a park bench, just covered in crumbs? He's a scientist. Leave him alone. He's doing. He's working through some shit. Quickly, get that man some space raiders. Stat. That will cancel it out. <laughs> Um, so last week we were escaping from, not really got a proper name for this yet, the Home Guards Hut. Uh, the Home Guards Hut on the hill, Dad's Army doings, nasty radio. Uh, and I thought you all did really well. Um, I was a bit worried going in that the room was either going to be hideously obtuse and utterly like unnavigable, or alternatively, that you were going to absolutely blitz it instantly. That's um, right. Uh, oh, oh yes, yeah, sorry, no. Yeah, sorry. Lads, lads, lads. James. Um, well, they're saying that actually, if you speak to my grandmother, she does genuinely speak of the war like, oh, wasn't it brilliant when there were bombs dropping on us? Loved it. Ah. Um, yeah, she loves it. Um, bless her. But yeah, I thought you guys, uh, did you, how did you find it? I thought it was great fun. I was really, because I know you said listen to an episode and clearly I didn't. And I was really confused. L- listeners, please listen to an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do not follow Nick's example. No one's going to listen to an episode. Um, yeah, I had. I actually didn't really understand what you were talking about, or what it was, or what I was doing, or anything. So it was I, coming in with no expectations, and it massively su- exceeded. Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, That's a good, good rule for life. It's just set the bar low. And then you're always yeah. pleasantly surprised. That's yeah. my entire professional raison d'etre. Same. I had no idea what to expect. It was brilliant, and I want to do them all the time. If it could just be repeat guests every week, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be good fun. Be careful what it. you wish for. Yeah, <laughs> That's a monkey's paw situation there. Yeah, you'll end up on the, uh, the Rolodex. And Jamie, how about you? I really enjoyed it. I, I I like those rooms that are quite sparse in the the set dressing because it means that like like I did um, in the in the puzzle episode, you you find like the, the most minuscule of details that are completely irrelevant, and it could be a clue, it could be nothing. So I like having to wrap your brain around very few props uh, rather than getting distracted by loads of decoration. And uh, as terrible as I am at being able to match notes uh, in music puzzles. I thought the the audio puzzles that you had were really good. I'm very happy that James was there and was able to actually recognise the notes that made. <laughs> I, I realised just before we started recording, I was like, oh, this is actually quite hard, this one. <laughs> it reminded me, though, because a while ago I started trying to do um, an escape from a music room puzzle for kids that would be like them trying to get out of a locked music room that are, the music teacher fall asleep in. I might resurrect now because I enjoyed it so much. What well, is a bit that is, niche. That is I a mean, great feel, idea. F- feel free to to steal. I think there's this one and the Mozart one um, yeah. have bits that are theftable. Um, let me know if you need the resources. Can, can I tell you some interesting things about the well, things I think are interesting about the room? Oh, please do. So, first of all, Jamie, yeah, nailed it. Wanted to do a small one because we ages ago we did a few episodes where we just focused on a single object, and I really wanted just everything to focus around this radio. Mm. and just like interacting with it and also have been playing around with more sound-based puzzles recently mostly because i got a little bluetooth adapter for my uh, my pod track so i'm able to wire my ipad in and play sound effects on demand which makes me very 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 happy like much happier than it reasonably should um but also um 
I have been, um, I was going through my granddad's books and found a load of really good ones on um, Second World War. And one that's just basically uh, a big book of anecdotes from um, the, from the real dad's army from the home guard. And it's just brilliant. Like it's such a, like dad's army, the, the sitcom barely even captures the level of farce. That was the reality of <laughs> what was initially the land defense volunteers and then became the home guard. Like it was the first, well, one of, not the only, but one of the first armies in history to accidentally kill more of its own countrymen than it did of the enemy. <laughs> because it just wow. gave, it just gave guns to like just standard civilians and really, really wobbly orders and said like, defend that really important chicken coop against the Germans. Put down anti-tank defences. Um, <laughs> if you imagine now though, if it, that was effectively now, I'm 43, so like... Uh, me, some of my mates trying to do anything that isn't getting ourselves out of a pub is almost impossible. So, <laughs> defend our borders sounds like a bridge too far, really. Well, that was the thing, though. A lot of it, I mean, early on, particularly, there, there was basically no organization in place. So, some of it was just kind of a group of mates would get together and just sort of, you know, we're tonight, headquarters is the pub. Or, okay, in the name of uh, the country and king, country, and the army, we are <laughs> occupying again this pub. Um, <laughs> And they just get pissed. I saw a really good anecdote of a couple of blokes. They had to guard. Um, it was like a. It was some. There was some sea defences that needed guarding, and they basically had to stand watch on this horrible blasted moor uh, to do it. So what they did was they did as, as they did in those days. They built a, a shed, uh, which was uh, apparently just like full of midges and horrible in the summer and freezing cold in the winter. But it was it was shelter. But it was just like their get pissed spot. So they just all trot up there when it was guard duty, get wankered. And go home again. That was their that was their entire thing, and that was their command post. Having said that, that sounds like an awful idea. Now it sounds like a brilliant idea. <laughs> no, I welcome the third world. No, no, never said that. Cut that. Cut that. Yeah. No, P- Putin is a listener actually, so we need to. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's on like... Patreon, isn't he? He's one of the top tier Patreons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy P. Um, but yeah, uh, so there's some really weird stuff about it as well. So despite the fact that ostensibly it was managed by the army, it wasn't actually a formal army, it was technically an armed civilian militia, which means basically that the rules of war treats them as civilians rather than yeah. ah. soldiers, which means that basically they were really worried that like the nation was in this mad panic. Um, incorrectly, it turns out, that Germans were going to drop in shitloads of paratroopers and do kind of like an airborne invasion of the UK. Um, and actually they weren't, it wasn't like part of the plan at all, but they were really, really paranoid about it. Um, and they thought, oh God, like, you know, if we do have this kind of this defense force and they get treated like soldiers, we're going to have like half the male population wiped out. So it was very, very clearly stated in like absolutely everything and to everyone that they were an armed militia, a volunteer civilian militia, which means that they're treated, um, you know, less horribly. Yeah. By the Germans. Yeah, this assumes mm. that the Nazis played ball right, right. yeah. <laughs> and abided yeah. by the rules of war. But, but also, you know, it's something very well with hindsight, but maybe the Germans were planning to invade with lots of paratroopers and then they got wind of these, like, crack teams of pissed-up English blokes and they didn't want to go anywhere near them. Because would you? It's a fair point. That's how, that's how we, uh, the Welsh got rid of the Romans so many times. Just got completely wankers, took your kit off, and just charged headlong at them, screaming obscenities. It worked like so many times. It's the, the Brits are fighty. We are a fighty nation, uh, scrappy. Um, no, to be fair, actually, if um, there ever had been a land-based invasion, it probably would have it would have 
been it would have needed to kind of get there with blood every single step of the way it would have been brutal guerrilla warfare but yeah. um uh, initially at least it was a total farce because uh, obviously people were signed up and they signed up in their uh, hundreds of thousands and then eventually in the first month i think a million able-bodied men um had signed up and the army went ah cool we need to arm and like you know uniform these people and they didn't really have because that was all going to the front line so if you were lucky you might have one or two rather knackered lee enfield rifles between the entire unit which the unit would then have to find a place to um lock up safely um and be on rotation so you'd have like wooden rifles for parade you'd have um uh, a selection of they called them denims uh sort of fatigues which were often sent in kind of odd sizes so it was whatever's left over so you could get some like extra xl trousers and like xx small <laughs> vests and have to kind of like you know try and make that work for uniforms um there was one where XL, they uh, the xl trousers would have been fine um, <laughs> i'll have those whatever you want Divvy the rest of it between you but there's, there's a really good one where there was a six a group uh, a group of um, a platoon sorry had had six rifles to share between them and they were trying to kind of rotate them around to make sure everybody got to go um and, <laughs> and they built themselves a special gun cabinet uh, up in like the community center roof uh, with a special lock on everything to keep the gun secure except that everybody was always a bit drunk and forgot the lock combination so what they do is they'd always just snap the lock off they'd snap the top off with the rifles just bash it up to get things out and they get... so uh yeah in the end they just end up having to just keep just hide them in the eaves of the roof because they um shattered the gun cabinet that's just, the crazy it... pathos of all that kind of stuff now because like <laughs> and, and dad's army is the fact that all these people had to do this kind of crazy life-threatening in there, right? You know, well, they, they assumed that at any moment it could be completely invaded. and But had, like you say, like monitor the two guns that the village owned or yeah. whatever as well. Yeah, wow. What a time. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of, and it was, they had, there was yeah. morale was really like up and down as well because the, the orders were very unclear. It was like, okay, you need to secure strategically kind of important positions. And sometimes those provide and other times those weren't. So you could have a village would be like, ah, uh, do you know what? The pub is the strategically important location <laughs> in this area. But you'd also get some who'd be like, actually, do you know what? We're going to get a little bit of payback. And they'd be like, hey, Lord Richington, uh-huh. guess what? Mm-hmm. Your manor is the strategically important area. It's got great views of the countryside. I'm afraid we need to camp out in your wine cellar. Motorists <laughs> as well. Um, basically, a lot of people were very jealous of motorists. I think there was only like one in 20 people in the UK had a car at the time. No, it was not even one in 20. There were Basically, there weren't, weren't many cars on the road. So every time um, a motorist came by, they'd stop them to ID and they'd set up like little checkpoints. And there's a really good, a good example of people getting uh, arrested or having their tires shot out because they'd been stopped 30 times in a single drive and had just decided to stop stopping at the checkpoints <laughs> just because people were like, oh, here comes another motorist. Oh, let's have a look at your papers. Oh, dear. Kicking the tires. What's going on here then? It was, oh, Yeah. What the scary thing about this is it reminds you of any time you've ever done any local community volunteering and how terrifying that is with the personalities that are usually involved in that. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, no, I'm actually so with you on that. There's something about it that attracts very intense people. Yes. With those code names that you had um, on the notice board, were those uh, references to characters from Dad's Army or were they just made up parsnip and smudge and... Oh, uh, they were actually significant. So um, my grandpa, or granddad passed away recently. So I found out a lot about him, um, as you do with these things. 
and we were going through his old photos and found one of him uh, when he was uh, stationed in Germany as a tank driver with one of his mates who was called Smudge. And then I spoke to my mum and her dad had a mate when he was in the, when he was doing his national service called Parsnip. So Parsnip and Smudge wow. were two actual people. And I was just thinking, God, they did nicknames really well in those days. Like yeah. that's such a good <laughs> nickname, Parsnip. What a great name. Um <laughs> He wasn't a real parsnip, wasn't a traitor, I hasten to point out. But there was a massive paranoia. Like they um they they were obviously everyone was really worried because tensions were so high. Um people would be accused of being fifth columnists and be arrested as German spies for letting a bit of light leak out of the blackout curtains or for being out over curfew. Again, if you were a motorist, you had to drive quietly with no lights down unlit roads where the army had pulled all the signs down to stop the Germans from accidentally finding their way to the shops. Wow. Um, Oh, and also not fall into the tank traps that the uh, the home guard had dug um, that day in the road. Um, yeah, surely they were just all round the pub though. <laughs> they may they'll fight us in the beaches. We'll fight them in the Red Lion. We'll fight them by the loos and round the back with the smokers. <laughs> yeah, and oh, and that was it. The the code word cadge um, is just literally. It was uh, uh, another. This is another account I read for that. Um, that initial couple of months where they were obviously given this duty and they were formed into platoons and everything and they had no equipment. So it was a case of, okay, what can we find to do this? And some places did really well. Like uh, there was a tailor who did all the officers' uniforms who made platoon uniforms, 1,500 men in the course of a couple of weeks. And they were, but he used the officers' quality material. So these were nice uniforms. And he had people just going around like, what can we find? The farmer's got a lot of pitchforks. We've got pitchforks now. Um, it was fabulous. Yeah, there's, I, I, I could waffle on like weird trivia about this all day because it's been such a fascinating read. It's just the the sense of like camaraderie amongst the farce and just like everybody's yeah. really good natured about it and just remembers it really fondly. Even though it's like, oh yeah, we had to like you know we got this one set of trousers the size that would have been fitted an elephant, so we had to like chop the bottoms off and we turned them into sleeves for somebody else's, which was too short and stuff. It's just it's wonderful. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. That's me. That's me done waffling about um, my love for the uh, my love for the home guard. Is anyone coming in hot with anything? You know what that reminded me of most is the fact that I have had an absolutely abysmal day today. But then going into that, even like a radio um, escape room space, maybe t- it's such a good medium for being able to completely forget about everything else and come out the other side of it smiling. It's wicked. Completely changed oh. my day. That. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Oh. oh. We need to do one tomorrow and every day thereafter for about the next month, but then we'll be fine. <laughs> Would you be feeling as good, though, if we'd actually got blown up at the end of it? You know what? I, I genuinely, with about two minutes to go, I was like, yeah, I'm not really bothered how this ends now. I'm quite happy to go up with the rest of the show. That bad a day. <laughs> <laughs> that bad a day of just like, yeah, take me. Let's just, yeah. let's just go. Just got the wires. I'll take my chances. Was there, was there a bad ending if we'd not defuse the bomb in time? Uh, yeah, you blew up. <laughs> Just, just that. Just you blew up. Yeah, you blew up. Uh, my note to myself is blow up, and then um, the home guard captain comes and says strange words over the wreckage oh, and your bodies. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my entire. Note. I would have just improvised something like you blow up, and then the captain's there and he's like, "Oh, crumb jiggery bumbles, Holmes. What the crumpets is my bingus um, or something." Given, given their proximity to us at the end of that, surely bits of us would have just blown over their heads on the way to the. Fred. Actually, yeah, they were basically out the door. <laughs> at the end of that, they probably have gone with you. Jim Lee Cricles, I seem to have lost a hand. There was one point towards the end where I was going to suggest that myself and Jamie go as far as we can to one end of the shed and that 
James just takes one for the team and sits <laughs> on the bomb. Just ha- just hug the radio until it's all over. I mean that if the, if there is a metaphor for our professional lives here, then that is it. <laughs> <laughs> Working in universities is weird, isn't it? I don't know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) There is a brilliant book that I've got somewhere, which is about kind of psychological experiments that they used to be allowed to run that they wouldn't be allowed to run anymore. Oh, like the old Stanford ones. Um, My favourite one of it, it was somewhere in the States. They ran an experiment to see what would happen if they got, I think they'd recruited, say, 20 male students, 20 female students, and they wanted whichever to go up to a member of the student of the opposite sex and ask if they wanted to have sex with them. And any guesses <laughs> what happened? I'm on hooks. I have no idea. <laughs> so pretty much all the men got knocked back every time. And pretty much all the women got yes, please, every time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's proper psychology. You're not allowed to do it anymore. <laughs> That's tragic. Oh, man, I, I want more. That's proper. That's, that's the... Oh. I mean, all you've got to do nowadays is, you know, bugger the ethics committee, just get a get a smartphone, film it on TikTok and say that it's a, a social experiment. You want to go through all those, those legal loopholes. You could have just stopped that bugger the ethics committee. Just... <laughs> <laughs> this will challenge their principles. <laughs> is this ethical? <laughs> I don't know why that, that's just reminding me of... I think it's it's not it's something it's like the coal tar plant or some variation of a coal tar plant, and it used to be on Wikipedia that there was like um, the seeds of a coal tar plant. If you chew them, are poisonous. One seed, if chewed, will kill a mouse. Yeah. Two seeds will kill like you know, a mouse. Five <laughs> will kill a cat. And there was this huge scale up to about thirty-three that kill a horse. And all I could ever think about was them lining them all up. <laughs> they go next one and then going oh the cow looks a bit shaky <laughs> how did they do that what I what a time to be alive what time to be working in academia <laughs> oh, I missed I missed an era yeah. did, um, did, did all three of you go to the, the playful learning conference yes yes, yes. Oh, nice. How how does how does the like idea of escape rooms factor into that that yeah. space? I mean, was there anything there uh, was, regarding escape rooms? Or it was quite unescape roomy this year. Normally, there is a theme on, around it. So, so the first three years we ran it in Manchester, and we actually worked with a local school. And we got the sixth formers as part of a Richmond project to design us in escape rooms. Oh, cool! That run at the conference, so. And anyone who basically they were running, they'd come for a whole day and they'd run it and it was good for them to do a thing and it was great for people. And the stuff they come out with was really, really professional. It was amazing. Yeah. Nice. Really. Um, but we that didn't sort of carry I think maybe students did it for one year at Leicester and sort of post COVID, it's not I think people are less keen on being in a small room with strangers. I wonder why. It was good this year because we one of our keynotes this year was Giskin Day, who is one of my heroes, I think. And but she like she's made escape rooms out of virtually everything she could possibly find. And within that so she was showing us examples of the fact that she's made an escape room in a bag. Called the, Breaking oh, wow. Bag, which is one of the best things about it. Yeah, Breaking Bag. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's cool. And then she was, there's a great story as well. Nick, were you there when 
actually at the time when they were talking about the one where they had to find something in a museum and it would... No, I was in the first lot with uh, Rosie and Katie. So we right. were sat in the pub. I'm getting messages from Alex saying, mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> so what the messages were, so it's just not undermine your story. This was a this is an escape room in a public space, wasn't it? And uh, it was in the um, it was in the B and A in London. Yeah. Ooh. And but then so you're obviously your lot did it really well and it was fine. And then the next group that went in, <laughs> the the sort of the new one of the thing was that they had to get a code to then go to the baggage checking bit or and retrieve a bag. And the secure Giskin had had to change one of the elements in it, and the security team had put it back in the wrong section, so that oh. when they got the bag out, it was someone's laundry as a <laughs> <laughs> they were supposed to be getting out of the escape room. Oh, God. Um, if that was me, I would have just immediately just started wearing anything that was there. Like, oh, that's got to be a thing, right? Negligee. About is this part of the game? Because she, yeah. she'd made some comment earlier as part of her spiel because she was all like wearing a wig and dressed up and kind of doing a handover. And she had said something about, oh, it might just be somebody's dirty laundry. And there it was, and, and Alex was kind of, oh, maybe that, maybe this is a joke, and there's there's like something. So he's putting his hand into dirty laundry, and and somebody called security as well as a, as a different part of that. They'd also called security, and that's the as wonderful as these are. That's the danger of running something in a public space <laughs> that people actually think you might be planting a bomb somewhere or something. <laughs> well, also something that we've discovered with hiding, because oh wow. You know, so, Jake, what was, what was it, York? So, yeah. Nick, when I first met Nick, Nick and the rest of the players, because obviously I was quite new to the whole idea of playful learning. I'd never done a skate room. I started doing playful learning, and then I encountered all these crazy academics. And, um, yeah, they used to – what I hadn't realised is a, a group, they all used to try and hide from each other, and as a consequence now me, when before meetings, before any time we met each other. So I'd go, right – I'm, I'm outside the building. We'd said we'd meet in, and then I'd gradually see pairs of eyes. disconcerting. Me and Nick once met in um, York to do some escape rooms in and around York, and I thought, right, okay, I'll, I can get into this. And I hid behind a sign, and someone from York Station came over to me and asked me if I was okay I was on a medical level. <laughs> it was just my legs peeping out from underneath a, 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 a sign. <laughs> Please leave me alone. I'm doing something. Yeah. Yes, I'm fine. I'm just hiding. <laughs> I'm hiding from a colleague. You, you've ruined it now. <laughs> Quick, find someone else for me to hide. Let's go together. <laughs> oh, God. At that point, you should have swapped clothes with him and he could have been your decoy. Yeah. Some things with strangers. That's next level. <laughs> Go get on a train. She'd never suspect it. <laughs> so, J- Jamie, yes, we're, we're professionals, you see. For professional community, professional people do professional things. Oh, absolutely. Very, very important professionals, I don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we've referenced the Playful yeah. Learning Conference a few times here, and I know we talked about it on the other podcast, Pedagodzilla, <laughs> but just for like, for non education people, can we explain it? Because I think, weirdly, the overlap between it and Escape rooms is actually pretty significant. So it's not a cult. It's um, not a cult. But it has was described quite a few times as a cult. And it's really not meant to be a cult. But it is. it came around for myself and colleague Alex Mosley, probably, oh God, 10 years ago now, we're at some conference that was meant to be about active learning. And it was all being talked at. And we just went, do you know what? Let's do our own conference that is all 
the crappy, boring stuff. Let's get rid of that. And then let's put lots of interesting, inclusive stuff in. Um, and we we just both won an award that year and we didn't have quite enough money. So we found another friend who'd also won an award and put all our money into setting up the conference. Um, and just to sort of, it was meant to be a one-off to see if we could do it, what would it look like? And we had this brilliant person that we were working with, the conferences team called Emma. And we loved Emma. We got on brilliantly with Emma. And then um, that was my colleague, incidentally. <laughs> Another veiled dig at me. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up getting this. But I remember both her telling me, and she's leaving. She said, "I'm going to leave you with my friend, colleague James, because he's very good." And we could never get someone as good as Emma. <laughs> and and we did. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting for the. I and know. I stand by that. Too <laughs> <laughs> <So, so> easy. <laughs> like shooting puppies in a barrel. Um, yeah. And James just got it and I think was a bit terrified quite a long time. Um, particularly the first conference because I would just ask him for stupid stuff. It's never ended. That's not the first, just the first conference. That's all. That's life now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James, would you mind? Could you get us a squid license, please? Yeah, that was so. I, I genuinely came out of a meeting once, and on the bottom, I'd, I'd written "squid license?" question mark <laughs> You need a license for to handle a squid. Well, yeah. So I was like, right, what? Because I also didn't really know what that meant. Because <laughs> this is interesting point. Because I was, I didn't feel particularly confident then. So I was like, right, this must be a thing that I've got to go and find out. Everybody about. knows what a squid license is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then. You know, and that's the beauty of playful learning now. No, it's complete nonsense, but it's also very meaningful in a lot of other ways. So, but you know what that made me think of is that now I want to do an upside down version of playful learning. You just said you get all the good bits out of a normal conference. Let's have one that's all the most awful bits. <laughs> as a counterpoint, <laughs> weren't you? Was it not, Mike? Weren't you talking about doing a session? I think we were. I was exactly talking about that. Yeah, like the crapful learning on conference or something. <laughs> just like like a one-hour session, which is just as terrible as we can make it intentionally in every conceivable direction. Oh, well, terrible in. Well, empty with every sense. Yeah, so, I, I'll, I'll not wash for like a month in like advance. Um, every no, I, sense, every yeah. single dedication. There could be some sort of waterboarding going on as well. I reckon, like the water torture, yeah. where you get a drip every second or whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put a drip of decaf on Mark Childs and just watch oh. him squirm. Like, oh no, <laughs> I need the caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's allergic to decaf. Weirdly, <laughs> Nick. I've been thinking about the old, um, yeah, we did, we did, there was a lot of, uh, this is a not a cult thing going about. I think part of the problem with this is that really the principles of which playful learning, the pillars of, as we've called them. The, 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 new, just, the new mentioned in the book chapter that you wrote. The book chapter what I wrote with Nick. Um, <laughs> and they're just really cool ways to live and who wouldn't want to, and I want to go and live in a commune based on those five principles. So, uh, yeah, let, I'm, up, I'm up for it. I know there's a, you know, we want to distance ourselves from the cult. I don't. Let's embrace it. Well, just... I have always wanted to be kind of a, a leader that is vilified. And is, is, no, what does, does vilified mean good or bad? I think that's a bad thing. Okay, yeah, I vi- did not want to be vilified. I want to be unvilified. Idolized. Yeah, so I quite like, you know, maybe we could make it into a cult. I'm not sure we'd... We need a thing though, and it would probably involve sex with animals. But if I, don't you, I, I don't think it has to involve sex with animals. I don't it's think it always has to involve do, sex right? with animals. 
Um, I think, but if you get it registered as a cha- as like a religion, you can get um, like uh, tax free status, can't you? Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, as, as points of order, I think it's tax free anyway because it's an educational conference. Oh, mm. uh, uh, it's educational it was- and religious. You get a double tax break on that. Maybe the government gives you more money. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, genuinely, if you work in education, either here uh, in the UK or internationally, I, I genuinely would check it out. It is an absolute banger. Um, I've this was my second year, uh, only my second year going, but it genuinely feels like coming home. If you're strange. Um, yeah, if you're if you're a bit normal and really, really, really love a good long PowerPoint presentation with no interaction whatsoever, then maybe this isn't for you. Uh, but if you like cool things that are fun and also great, super thought provoking and pedagogically sound, then yeah, I would totally recommend checking it out. You'll um, you'll come away you'll just come away fizzy and beefy and inspired and filled with useful nuggets and having talked to amazing people who you'll then correspond with over the the following year and then meet again and be like, oh, you. I'm living for any bit a year. Blah, blah. Um, and just have a great time. It's and also useful nuggets. Difficult second album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we head off into the night and get our much needed and well earned kebabs, anybody got anything they want to plug, shout about, or grumble about? I, I can talk about crisps. So I, I did. I did bring some crisps in the pub, but then I decided. Ooh. Probably eating crisps was not conducive to the noise. Well, it's good that good that you said that, Nick. Good for you, Nick. <laughs> For someone who is a first timer to the Infinite Escape Room podcast, you you know that consuming yeah. crunchy goods on an audio podcast is is a sin. Some might a say a sin, a sin. Whereas not a few weeks ago, <laughs> we had wow. one one of our co producers who shall remain nameless, John. <laughs> Tucked into no less than half a packet of chocolate digestives mid-episode. Wow. Unacceptable. And he, and he didn't even share them. <laughs> but kind of related, the reason that I'm talking about, I, well, I wrote the crisps, is that um, I'm, I'm changing jobs and one of my close colleagues isn't around for my leaving do this week, but he sent me an online treasure hunt. <gasps> oh, very cool. It was really cool. And, I, um, and basically there were these little poems that he'd done for me. And I got, there were six of them, and I got to number five. And I got really, really stuck. And then I thought, hang on. Okay, I'm, he's, he's on holiday, and I'm not going to bother him on holiday, but I need to know what the hell's going on. And then I had this moment of, hang on, he's not going to have written them himself. He's going to have written them using our departmental chat GPT account. <laughs> and I'm not going to have deleted his history. <laughs> and <I'm sure> not. <laughs> there in his prompts was the answers. I managed to do the treasure hunt and it took me to a package that was in one of the rooms in our department um, which I then got one of my colleagues to go and pick up and it was a multi-pack of 40 bags of crisps that's amazing which is amazing how many have you got left? (laughs) these ones (laughs) Listeners, uh, Nick has had a single, very small packet of crisps. <laughs> That's such a lovely idea. Oh, I, I need to do that for next our next on campus day. Yeah, good. And I think and the quiz was just done with. I think it was Microsoft Forms. It was very. Oh, nice. The tech was really nice. Hmm. And the world needs more puzzles, just in everyday situations. Yeah. Confuse and delight your friends. 
I'll say, Jamie, have you um, have you published any new puzzles of late? Because I, I know you've been like hanging behind Step uh, with his book nook. Which, by the way, if you enjoy an escape room and you like a puzzle, you need to check out check out Step Locker's book nook. Oh, uh, it's just and if you like books and nooks, um, <laughs> I know you like nooks. James, James's face says, as, nook. "Did you say nooks?" <laughs> um, Second to a ginnel, a nook is yeah. one of my favourite things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jamie. Yeah, do you want to? Are you like? Are you puzzling anything at the moment, or are you? Uh, uh, well, I, I I published something less than twenty four hours ago, as it as it Ooh. happens. Um, so yeah, at some point during one of the various lockdowns, I started working on a downloadable print and play pirate themed escape game, um, where you can use different locations around your home as part of the game using like a central code book. And then I started making. I did most of it, and then I lost the files for more than a year wrote it off completely, miraculously found them again, and I've been tinkering away over the past few months, and yesterday I finally hit the publish button. Uh, it's called Pirate Party Quest, and uh, I'll see if Mike can put a link to it in, in the show notes. Um, it's, Mike, I've, Mike I've, checked, I've checked up on like, Kofi for like a fiver. Um, yeah, instant download kind of vibe. Good 45, 60 minutes, something to entertain yourself and the kids over the summer holidays. Should be a lark. It's amazing. Um, anything else people want to talk about or plug, or shall I bring us to a close? I've, I've finished my sake. Oh, I'm good. sorry. Well, with that then, uh, the barman is, um, is gone, actually. He's locked up the pub, so we'll need to stick a brick through the window, step outside, and make our staggering wending way towards the kebab shop. Thanks very much, listeners, for joining us for this pub episode. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you sorry. next time on the Infinite Escape Room. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Time for some chicken um, wings. Oh, chicken wings. It's all about garlic sauce for me. I'm, I'm literally just going to... Oh,